0: Make sure that their child understands that coming to work for them is not a foregone conclusion and that it is to be earned like every other employee has earned.
1: That's Bill Dickinson, the president and founder of Missouri-based Osage Food Products, who hired his 20-year-old son to work at his company right after the COVID outbreak. We'll be hearing from that 20-year-old Alex Dickinson coming up next on CFO Bookshelf. Hey Bruce, buddy CFO of practice, like you got a new printer, didn't you?
2: I did. I did. This, uh, you know, the uh, byproduct of of working remote, we killed the old one. That so ex- yeah, that exciting. A, it's like, it is
1: exciting. It's like when you're five years old, you get a new pair of shoes, or maybe when you're twelve, you get a new ball glove. And a CFO like you, you get a new printer. I mean, that's just that's exciting. He's got the you got the smell, the new smell, and yeah. And and did the first thing you did here in the year 2020, did you go out and uh, open up Word and just start printing a a lot of stuff out?
2: Oh, even better. You start printing from the phone, start scanning to the, you know, start scanning to places you never thought you'd scan before. And I think the nice thing about the new printer is that I think it's got the same features as the old one. It's just, in this case, they work, and they're much more. It's much easier to access them than the old one was. It was everything was, you know, everything was very, <clears throat> very difficult to get to. So
1: uh, they didn't ask you, is it dot matrix with the green bar paper?
2: Well, it, it is. And then if you want to do color, you've got to get the the little colored ink pens and put them in. Put them in the the graphing printer so that you can uh, you can do the print you can do the the print out of the graphs. So,
1: Bruce, I think we need to move forward because our future sponsors may think, "Oh man, these guys are a bunch of idiots."
2: But I think reliving our past may be a tie in to what we're going to talk about. So that is true. Do you rem- right.
1: do you remember when you were twenty years old?
2: Yeah, yeah, it was nine years ago. Well, what- <laughs> like it was yesterday.
1: What what was At 20 years old, whether it was nine years ago or 30 years ago, what job, what job did you have as a 20 year old? You're probably in college, but what summer job did you have?
2: I was uh, working in a factory.
1: In a a factory. Mm -hmm. And you're probably doing the same thing over and over again. You're either pulling a lever, you're maybe, you might've been doing some heavy work, but was it repetitious?
2: it was um yeah, it was it was it was uh it was bursts of repetition, but as a summer helper, you went where you were needed. The the machine operators the machine operators did the repetitive work. The summer help was there to to really create capacity. So we you know, when when material would come off, we'd make sure it was boxed, labeled, and and moved, which you know, during normal production. Was the job of was also the job of the operator because they had time, but in the summer with with the uh, the production needs, that grunt work was better done by somebody without any uh, without any machine skills.
1: What if I had told you that no, you're not going to be doing any manufacturing work, but this summer, this summer, as a twenty year old, you're going to be selling even though you've maybe never sold before you're not going to be in a sales position a b2b sales position what would you say brother bruce
2: wow that'd be uh my 20 year old self would be intimidated by that cuz i do recall also being out in the shop and looking through the you know looking through the window into the office and just imagining what it took to do those jobs well and that that wouldn't be something that Um, that wouldn't, that's, that's not a role I'd imagine myself in as my 20 year old self.
1: You probably were looking through that window and saw Alec Baldwin dressing down the salespeople saying, always be selling, taking out the wristwatch, showing them, here's what you're going to get if you make quota, uh, this week. Is that what you saw, Bruce?
2: Yes. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, I think it, my, I envisioned it being bad. Put it that way. Whether I, that's what I was really seeing or not, in hindsight, who hard to say. But how it that's how it looked.
1: Now, there's a reason for this line of questioning. You have to ignore the printer part. That was just <laughs> that was just ice breaking, uh, material. But oops, someone didn't close up their Outlook. That might have been me. So the reason we're talking about what you did at 20 years old and talking about sales. There's a young man that. I know I know more of him than I know him, but we've met once. We've had a couple of phone calls. His name is Alex Dickinson, uh, born and raised in Washington, Missouri, which is outside of St. Louis by maybe a good 45. How long does it take to get to Washington from
2: St. I Louis? Think, I think it's about 45. We actually, my wife and I went and trips there. Um, a couple years ago and took the train there and drove back. And I think it was about 45, not really nice place.
1: Beautiful town, historic, beautiful, beautiful. um, Missouri river runs alongside it. So his father, Bill, whom I've known for many years as well, Bill is just one of my favorite chief executive officers. Uh, everyone needs to get to meet Bill at least once. He's just a phenomenal, uh, business leader. So, COVID comes along, Alex is in college, a uh, freshman year, and COVID comes along, and he needs a job. And I think pr- the previous year, he had worked at a landscaping company, so that's not going to happen, or at least, at least in March. So one thing leads to another. So son, dad talk, and yeah, you come work for me. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Bill's company is a sales organization in the food business and ingredients. So they are a brokerage. So they go out and find uh, vendors and they turn right around and sell to other um, B2B organizations. So for example, they're very big in the dairy industry. In fact, they have a big name in the dairy industry. So we're not talking some <laughs> easy gopher job where He's going to go pick up sandwiches and coffee for the staff. No, he's going to be up there selling with all the other reps, which, by the way, is a hard job. It, I mean, even people who go into that position, not everyone succeeds. And by the way, I hope Bill's listening to this. I hope he's not getting upset. I'm just, this would be the case, Bruce, for any sales position. There are people who are successful. There are people who are not. So imagine taking this 20-year-old, putting him in a position to where there's maybe a better odds of them failing than succeeding. So can you imagine being in that situation? By the way, I didn't tell you, you got to make about hundreds of calls a day. Now, I, don't, I have not seen his call numbers, but let's just say he had to be on the phone a lot. Can you imagine just calling strangers being 20 years old?
2: No, that's, you know, I I think when I look back at, look back at that time, you know, there's, there's self-consciousness, there's, um, you know, apprehension of, am I going to say the right thing? Um, just a, a lot of things that come with the maturing process that in, in typical person, and I'll put myself in that category, aren't common. And to be able to really thrive in that type of an environment, pretty it takes a a, a that take, takes a pretty uncommon person.
1: We are doing something a little bit differently on this episode, Bruce. It's not really a interview like we've done with other guests. What we're doing this week is we're turning this into a story. And the way the story works is, you're going to hear from Alex. You're going to hear from his father the the founder and president and CEO of Osage Food Products. And then we're also going to hear from one of Alex's peers who works at Osage. And so you're going to hear from all three of them. We've, we've put this story together. And uh, Bruce, I'm going to give you the honor and go ahead and let you hit the, the green button to hit play for this feature story.
2: All right, let's go ahead and kick it off with our feature story on Alex Dickinson.
1: Thank you, Bruce. Alex was a student at the University of Missouri in Columbia when the pandemic hit. He's majoring in ag business management and minoring in food science. The first question I asked him is, then what? You're sent home. Now, what do you do?
3: Yeah, we uh, we had to leave school, so I ended up coming back home and I was probably back a week. I was, you know, there was nothing to do. You couldn't couldn't find a job. Couldn't work anywhere because uh, I still had all nine classes. So I really couldn't find a, a full-time job like what I was used to doing when I was back home. So and then one day, uh, like my dad, you know, talked to me and offered me work, work doing sales, and I was I decided, you know what? Uh, sure, I'm not doing anything else. I could try that.
1: And as I was telling Bruce earlier, this is not an easy pushover job, is it?
3: No, no, it's it's not. It's a lot more difficult than what it sounds. It sounds, I thought it sounded, you know, you call people and email people, talk to people, but it's a lot more work than that. Well, it's a lot of work.
1: Cold calling? Hey, no problem. But then there's something else you have to consider when selling food products or ingredients To a prospect. What is that, Alex?
3: Yeah, there are a lot of times when they would ask me questions and it's, I just had no idea. I mean, I've been in the industry for two weeks and they would ask me questions that I didn't even know what the
1: words meant. The next youngest sales rep is in their early 30s. So I was curious about Alex's sales training.
3: I've never really received, it's not like there's a training video on. How to call people or how to uh write emails i was I was given a it was a basic template of questions to ask, what to say, how to introduce yourself uh and all that stuff, but it doesn't prepare you nothing can really prepare you for the questions the uh the person you're talking to asks. There's no template for that, but I'd say most of my training came from my dad just telling me what to do, uh teaching me. Uh, how to write emails, uh, calling people, how to talk to people, what to ask, what to say, and then just listening to other people.
1: So then I was curious how long it took to get comfortable for Alex making phone calls. And plus, think back to when you're a kid, a teen. It's not normal for teens and young college students to leave long, lengthy professional voicemails. Hey, they text instead.
3: It took uh, a good, couple weeks just because before before working at sales i I, don't, I never really call people you don't at least i never had before um yeah, i never leave voicemails that's something that was new to me was leaving a good voicemail that sounds professional uh, relays your message gets to the point that was tough and uh but yeah i'd say probably not sounding like you don't know what you're doing was probably the hardest thing. Was I kept feeling like I sounded like I didn't know what I was talking about, which was partly true. Some of the time, most of the time, a lot I didn't know a lot of what goes on, what I'm what I'm selling, and that's that's a big thing. Knowing it, it just takes a lot of I think it takes a lot of time to be be good at it. A lot of practice.
1: Imagine the thrill of a deal. You just landed your first close for a 20-year-old. I wanted to know what that was like, but it wasn't an easy transaction as it took about a full month to pull off.
3: And uh, I reached out to this company. It was right when I started um, on selling non because when I first started, I was only doing uh, cold calls for Overstock. And excess product, and then it was I started calling for to sell nonfat, which the market for nonfat went up when the whole covid uh, everything started shutting down because people needed the uh emergency milk it became really popular the dry milk so I would be call I was calling food service companies, which were uh doing deals where they sell boxes for uh emergency supplies they had, uh, the state buys the boxes and gives them out. And I called this company early, early April, if I had to guess. Talked to them. They went back and forth. They, they wanted product, but they needed it before we could get it to them. And they, they were actually ready to order product, but we could not get them the product at the time they needed it. That was, that was a big letdown. That would have been my... My first full truckload. And then I kept talking to them, kept reaching out to them. And a a couple weeks later, they finally said, okay, we'll buy your product. So it was probably over a month process, over a month, just going back and forth, back and forth, just checking in, seeing if you're interested. Probably paid off. Finally paid off. But yeah, a lot of help from uh, multiple reps. At Osage, uh, the buyer, the buying agent, who was West, he was extremely helpful throughout the entire process. Yeah, he was he was fantastic. He was always there, willing to help anytime.
1: Now I I know the culture pretty well at Osage Food Products. Uh, part of their core values is having fun, but now now that I've got Alex. Now that I got Alex, I can ask him, okay, what's it really like? Is it stiff? Is it boring? But here's a cool thing. Alex has nothing negative to say about the culture at Osage Food Products.
3: Yeah, I, it's a great culture there. I, I didn't really experience, I, growing up, I was kind of a part of it. I needed to experience the full culture because a lot of people weren't there when I was there. But yeah, it's a great culture. There's always great people working there. I've always always loved the workers there.
1: You have to want to sell to be successful. That is so insightful coming from a college student.
3: Yeah, that's something my dad instilled in me. You have to want to do it. You have to want to pick up the phone. You can't go in and call people and you don't want to actually want to talk to anyone. You You won't get a conversation. You have to want to be there. You have to want to work. You have to, you have to want to sell.
1: Advice for CEOs that bring a son or daughter into the company, Alex. What advice do you give them?
3: Don't treat them like they're your kid. I'd say that's the biggest thing. Treat them like you would any other employee. Because you're not. I don't think you're helping them if you're. You treat them like they're your child, and you try to take it easy on them. You have to treat them like they're any other worker. They're not. They're nothing special. I think that's a big thing.
1: So how did your dad treat you in the business?
3: Like any other employee, he was probably a bit more helpful in teaching because I, didn't, I was new, but I wouldn't say he treated me like I was his son. I think he treated me like someone who was trying to teach the job to
1: succeed. I wanted to know what advice he has for people his age that want to go to work for their parents. You're going to love this answer.
3: Work as hard as you can. uh, Prove that you deserve to be at the company. I think a lot of people get the misconception, like when I can't come up here, that I'm just up here because my dad owns the company. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do everything I can to help the company succeed. But I think that's the biggest thing is you have to work harder than most to prove that you're worthy of being a part of that company. Because you should care more you should work harder because it's your, it's your it's your parents' company
1: we've now heard from Alex now let's talk to the father Bill Dickinson, the founder president CEO of Osage food products. I wanted to know from Bill what did his reps think about Alex coming on board
0: I think they were very excited now granted everybody understood this was definitely a short-term scenario, but I think they also, they were eager to help. And from Alex's standpoint, he got on the phone and showed he was willing to work. And in our environment, if the other salespeople see you're willing to work, then they are more willing to
1: help you. And I was especially curious who did most of the training. Would that have been You, Bill, or someone else?
0: I left most of the training to the other sales reps. I had some very brief discussions with Alex. I think one thing any parent knows is that at the point your child is in his late teens to 20s, he's maybe done listening to you. And so I really put it in the hands of some of the other reps so that he would hear and understand from them what it would take to be successful.
1: Speaking of reps and training, Tim Larison, a longtime rep for Osage Food Products, he did a lot of the coaching and mentoring of Alex, and I wanted to know what it was like for him to do that. Again, this is Tim Larrison.
4: Someone's willing to come in and make the calls and do the work at it doesn't really matter if you're 19 or you're, you know, 29 or 39, you know, I mean, it, it, at some point, somebody had to learn how to pick up the phone and make a cold call and, you know, kudos to Alex for coming in and doing it. And, um, you know, initially when he started, you know, you could, you could tell by the tone of his voice, his confidence was not there and nor should it have been, but, you know, as time went on, that confidence builds and, and, um, goes a long way and uh, i mean i think it's gonna help him you know help him and everything he does as far as school and then you know next job and whatnot uh yeah it's just uh building that confidence to just pick up the phone and make your calls and and get
1: better no no wait a minute tim don't go away did you sense any nepotism with alex coming to the company
4: no. Um, you and I both know Bill well enough that um, you know when somebody comes on, you're either selling product, making money for yourself and the company, or you're not. And it doesn't really matter if you are uh, a son or a cousin or a brother to Bill. I mean, he's uh, as professional as they come um, and very protective of his own business. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's going to help coach you and mentor you in uh, any way to help you be successful. But first and foremost, uh, it's expected that the person come in and, and do their due diligence in their work. And I don't think that there's any favoritism or nepotism about it.
1: Last question. Last one, Bill. You know this is not an easy job. It's not for everybody. Now you've got a 20-year-old who comes in and he's making his first deals within 30, 45 days. Why? Was he successful?
0: Well, he's a smart kid. I think as he got settled in and heard the other people around him, he's he has a desire to do well and succeed that doesn't necessarily always, you don't always see it. He was bound and determined he was going to make sales. And when you hear other people in close proximity having success, there's a competitive part that comes out and says, well, I'm, I'm going to go sell something. I, I will get this done. And it didn't hurt that I told him he was going to get paid a commission. So as a college kid, knowing that at some point he was going to have expenses, that certainly inspired him to go make the calls and make a commission.
1: You are listening to CFO Bookshelf. Lifelong learning for financial leaders. And now back to your hosts, the No Name CFOs, Mark and Bruce. Bruce, nepotism. Have you ever worked in a company where you had to deal with nepotism?
2: Well, um, actually, i'll uh, I'll go back to I'll go back to that first job that we are talking about earlier. The um, the way I ended up out in the factory was my father was the, he was the sales manager. He was the one swinging the watch. <laughs> ah, okay. So yeah. So I, uh, so I'd say there was, there was definitely nepotism, um, definitely nepotism there. Um, and I don't want to use, I don't want to throw that word out there, but you know, practice link is a, Privately owned company, and there are some side businesses um, that our owner Ken Allman also runs. And there's members of the families who are involved in those businesses.
1: I appreciated a lot Bill having that concern. Uh, He's the one that actually brought it up when when I was talking to him about putting this piece together. We've already I've already written about it on a LinkedIn. Uh, article which will be in our show notes we'll link to it if you want to read it as well but bill's the one who brought it up and just knowing that hey i mean the optics here couldn't maybe not look the best but boy i know that company and everyone was just so thrilled to see uh, alex uh, come on board be a part of the company just for a few months and so that's why i wanted to at least bring up that that angle and i have an end course i appreciated the comments that tim uh, made as well that you heard uh, during the story. I've worked for a large family owned operation in North central Missouri and good luck on finding good luck in finding another name who had that last name. It's a very unique, unique name. In fact, you wouldn't even know how to spell it if I told you the name. So I came from an environment where nepotism, just cause you had the same last name name, you did not have a free ride and so th- th- again it's a topic that does fascinate me
2: and that's why that's why I chose my words carefully um uh, too cuz i, I ne- nepotism obviously has a has a negative connotation family members can work in the business and this is and this is my my experience you know currently family members work in the business but they have real jobs and they're expected to perform um you know real functions there so just because there's just because the so the last name or the the family is is a connection. It like you said, it's not a free ride.
1: I'm not sure what the word is, Bruce, but I've had more issues working with smaller businesses. Not with them bringing in a brother, a sister, a cousin, an uncle. Usually, the issue is they bring in a good friend, their best friend, and they're they are incompetent. And it's like you've got to get rid of them. And so, well, is there? What's the nepotism term for that when you bring in your buddy who has no business working there?
2: That is cronyism.
1: Cro- thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that I'm sure you've you've witnessed, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. You see, and that doesn't even have to be a small business. I've seen I've seen that in you know Fortune 500 where you know, somebody will come into a role. It's like, where did this guy come from? And you come to find out, well, yeah, but so-and-so worked with them there and he worked with them there. Yeah, and it was pretty good. No, he stunk there too. But, you know, sometimes, and and sometimes I think the devil you know is better than the devil you don't. And sometimes I think in senior roles, people hire people that they know what to expect, even if that expectation is not real high.
1: Well, fascinating discussion I think every CFO and by the way we've we've not brought this up but every CFO needs to know how to sell I I even believe Bruce that even CFOs should go through at least one sales training course during their career at least one uh, we talked to Paul Downs uh, a couple of weeks ago who wrote the book boss life and And of course, he went through the Sandler system. He hired a Sandler consultant to come on board and work with uh, his two salespeople and himself. So that's an example of one organization. But, you know, we're in the business of selling. We're going to be in positions to where we have to sell to banks, we have to sell to investors, we have to sell to uh, maybe private equity groups that they are coming in to buy. So and, And plus, we're selling every day. So I, I just think it makes good sense listening to this young 20-year-old. Uh, hey, I, th- I think we need to be thinking like Alex as well.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And I don't have anything more to add. The all of the examples you gave of of CFO selling scenarios are 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 what I would have added there. There's you know, there's convincing somebody that and and creating value and developing a deal there, those those selling skills go beyond just moving product.
1: Agree. Good stop. Hey, enjoyed this conversation as, as always. And why don't you wrap this thing up, Bruce?
2: Mark, I enjoyed our time together, as always. Everybody out there, stay safe, stay well, practice love and empathy, and we'll talk to you again soon.